Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is perfect for all you procrastinators. Josh and I are going to go through our detailed process of how we build really good arrows, so stay tuned if you got that coming. Dang it. You're speaking to me, Vax. Oh, I thought that was pretty good. You did? Yeah. Okay. We're going to keep that one? I think we're going to keep that one and keep going with the episode. People are going to like it. <laughs> Let's just do it. I was going to say, I you're speaking to me about the procrastinators. Uh, my arrows are uncut right now. Yep. Well, mine uh, aren't even ordered. So <laughs> that is very unlike you. Very, unlike very you. unlike me. But um, between new job stuff, and I also have to apologize to probably the 10 or 15 folks that have emailed me in the past month. Um, I have just gone AWOL because I was closing out a new role. And then when I got that, I had two weeks of vacation. And when I take vacation, I just take vacation. So um, between all of that and the fact that I've still got enough arrows to go elk hunting with my current setup, I'm getting real testy and waiting for the ones I want to come back in stock. So yeah. those are my excuses, Josh. They hold up. <laughs> so you're okay if uh, they don't come back in stock. You'll just use last year? That's yeah, I mean, I've got six or seven arrows, six arrows, which, should, you know, that's not enough for most guys, but those are, I only take five with me anyway. And I mean, I could, I could cut and build some in my place of any type in like two hours. So yeah, I'm not too worried about it. So you won't be shooting any grouse this season. Yeah, right. No, I'll be getting the, uh, the ETA on the, the Eastern ones I want to try this year is like early August. So I'll be getting those in plenty of time. Oh, you will. Okay. Yeah, cool. So it should so, happen. Yeah, building arrows. I was before we started recording, I told Baxter maybe it'd be fun for me to try to guess all the steps because I've kind of pieced it together now. I don't know mm -hmm. if I've built a full set from scratch yet. Um, no, we have an interesting history here because I built your first ones mm -hmm. and then you kind of built them with some advice, and then you've just kind of been picking up slowly and steadily mm -hmm. um, each different piece. And I think building arrows. The thing about it guys don't realize is like it's very minimal effort this is like one of the easiest diy sports things you can do like seriously just stupid easy um but it's got a massive payoff in the accuracy and the quality of your arrows like i would take the crappiest 0.006 grade arrow over like a 300 dollars perfect micro diameter arrow that you bought off the shelf if i could build it myself Mm. every day of the week it's so much more accurate than just buying a, a store-bought arrow so what's it's really the, really worth it what's if you were to pin it down what's the re main reason why it's so much more accurate to build yourself than to just buy off the shelf uh, spin and consistency so if you build it yourself you're going to put in a really good helical or a um, offset to the veins which is going to make the arrow spin mm -hmm. which that doesn't do much when you're shooting a, a field point but it makes a massive, massive difference when you're shooting a broadhead as far as accuracy. Um, and then two is like consistency. Like the shops just don't have the time. No, they have the time. It just costs them too much money to do all the little things like squaring the end of the arrow and um, weighing out different components that make a huge difference. Um, spinning all the arrows. And yeah, spinning them and cutting from different ends. You know, you can, you can take a low grade of arrows. I mean, that was one of the greatest things about the Easton ones for a long time is they only had a 0.025 grade. They didn't have a 0.01. So basically you get the 0.025s and by cutting from the right end, you'd have 0.01s. Hmm. Uh, 
So you can, you can make your arrow grade at least one, if not two grades higher by cutting them the right way. Um, just the consistency of which you, the biggest one, by far the biggest one, we talked about this and that we should probably link people back to that. What's the best arrow for elk hunting episode. Um, so you can go look at that. And we've talked a lot about the different types of arrows and yada, yada, yada. But if you remember the micro diameter and the small diameter arrows, the problem they have is the outserts and the half outs are always never, you always need to spin them when you glue them. Right. Um, and almost everybody's using those for elk hunting. If you're buying them from a shop, at least half of yours are not going to be properly aligned. They're going to wobble. Mm-hmm. So being done with it. So that's, you asked me for a simple answer. I just went on a little rant, but really if it's spinning, spinning consistency, like those two things are huge. Gotcha. Um, massive, I have massive. a feeling I'm going to miss a few steps in this, uh, in this arrow building series, but so one way to learn, I'm going to guess the first step to building yep. arrows is to buy all the parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's figuring out what shafts to get, right? Yeah. Uh, so we talked about quick, that in that other yeah. episode. People can do that, but like the, it's a spine chart, right? Yeah. I'm figuring it out. And I guess for you, it's pretty easy because you're like, I already know what works in my bow. Yeah. So you just bought that again, but Ooh, I forgot about the spine chart, but real quick, if you want to throw yeah. out, what are those, those, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second, but what are those, uh, three arrows you recommend like the low tier, like cheaper ones, the mid tier, and then the high, do you remember? Yeah. I mean, I think I released an axis are phenomenal. Um, the black Eagle rampages that you're shooting are great. If you're going for like a small diameter mm-hmm. arrow, I think those are both fantastic shafts. Uh, they both come with a decent, you know, stainless steel half out on the rampages or, a aluminum insert in the Easton's, which will hold up to a decent amount of abuse. If you really want a bulletproof air, you got to buy aftermarket components. Um, as far as micro diameters, I think, um, I'm not, remember we're not sponsored. We don't get any kickbacks just, but I think if you're getting something that you just want to get in, put the insert in it, I think the only one on the market that I can hands down say is bulletproof is the, uh, uh, the day six, which is what I'm shooting. That thing is stupid, stupid, um, power or, uh, strong with the, even the aluminum interlocking outsert system they've got. So that's really good. I'm obviously trying some Easton micro axis four millimeters this year, but I'm buying aftermarket outserts cause they have an aluminum half out, which is one of the worst ideas on the planet. Um, when it comes to L cutting, if you don't hit something straight on that sucker's going to bend in a heartbeat um or bust out of the shaft so those are those are ones that i know of i've trusted i've tested they're phenomenal there's other good arrows out there i'm not saying there aren't but those are the three that i'm like i could i could just give those to anybody and i know they're going to be good cool so you buy those the shafts then next you got to buy the other things so like the fletchings mm-hmm. um what are the, would any fletching work they're probably not huge differences are there i guess yeah yeah well let's do let's finish off the spine chart first and then we can talk the components but the spine you'll look at the every company's got its own spine chart um the hard thing for most guys is they don't know what their peak poundage is Mm -hmm. don't estimate that just go to a bow shop and like they've got a even even if it's not your bow shop they're going to put it on the jig and pull it down it takes them three seconds and figure it out um and say hey this is i'm at 65 pounds you go look at the chart chart says you gotta look at each chart because some measure arrows from the knock to the point some measure carbon to carbon so just one end of the carbon to the other carbon Mm -hmm. gotta figure out what they're using read it in detail 
use their process. It'll say, hey, for 65 pounds, 125 grain point, you should have this one. The only thing I wanted to say about spine charts is always, 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 always um, make sure you get the, the arrow that looks a little stiff. So if you're like oh. on the border of a, a 315 or 300, always get the 300. Mm. And if you're uh, on the border of a, or you're like in the middle of a 300 it's, or like near the top, it's not even a bad thing to get a 250. Um, you can, here's the thing about arrows and I'll save guys a lot of money this way is you can always cut them down to make them stiffer. Mm. You cannot add on. So if you have a, you know, if you're on the border of a 300 spine, which is a stiffer spine and a 350 spine, which is a weaker spine, you can get the stronger spine and go a little longer. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if it's, and then if it's too uh, weak, you can just cut it down slowly and that makes the stiffer and stiffer and stiffer. Right. 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 So almost every arrow setup, you can usually shoot two different shafts. Interesting. You can shoot one. That's like a three, you know, whatever the, the size is it's spot on for just over your draw length. And then you can shoot the stiffer shaft. It's like two to three inches longer. Just look at that table they've got. You can see oh. that if you go three inches longer, where you'd be. Right. Um, and you'll see you bump up into the next spine. So I almost always go for the stiffer spine. It's going to make it a heavier arrow, which we've talked about anyway. Mm -hmm. And then you have a lot of room for error if you just cannot get that thing to tune. Um, and if you're truly experimenting, it's generally good to cut one first and then you know, try to tune with that. And then if you need to cut that one down, then cut all of them to that length. So that's just an aside before we dive in. It'll hopefully save guys a lot of money in, in stress because you can't make a spine stiffer, but you can sure as heck break it down by cut um, by making it too long at the beginning and cutting it down if it isn't, or you can put more weight on the tip. So anyway, right. That nice little sense. side for guys. Uh, wow, that is a step before mine. So before you buy it, you got to know which one to buy. So yeah. look up the spine consistency chart, find out what your. Uh, it's really easy. You, you go to the shop, find out your poundage, and then on the chart, you'll just see what arrow length and what uh, spine consist spine. What do they call that? Spine. It's just spine. Yeah, what spine? Yeah, what you spine need. you need? Yeah. Um, oh, the one note on the arrow length. Do you normally recommend you take your draw length and just add like? half inch or, or, or yeah it's it's funny because you always say these things in all these podcasts and i assume people listen but i know that probably half the folks are here first time so yeah i'm a huge advocate for putting at least an inch or two past your uh the front of your riser which is much longer than normal so if you're measuring your arrow make sure you draw back and have someone like use a sharpie and put a nick on it right where the front of your riser is and i'd still add another inch or two um, mm -hmm. that's like the best way to measure your arrow if you don't have a draw board to do it. Uh, the reason being is it's super easy to just open up your hand. If you're, if you're shooting correctly, your hand shouldn't really be gripping the riser with any force. So it's very easy, especially if you shoot downhill for your fingers to just drift out a little bit away from the riser. And if that broadhead is sitting right over the shelf of your bow, it's going to go over your fingers. And if they're in the way of it, it's going to, like I've seen so many photos of guys and I've nicked myself almost down to the bone just because it's too short. I, I don't understand why anyone ever cuts an arrow shorter than like an inch or two longer than the front of their riser because you just do not want to mess with that. Yeah, mine's uh, a my, little My wife's bow is like four or five inches out from that. There's no problem oh, wow. with making one way too long. Yeah, okay. No big deal. Yeah. So you find out your draw weight, the length, and then look at that spine consistency, buy one of those, buy a set of dozen shafts. So that's the shaft. 
Mm -hmm. other components we got the broadhead we got the knock and the um fletchings which one should we hit first yeah well, let's hit the uh we talked we had a whole episode on broadheads best broadhead for elk hunting if you can go do that one i think the the insert system yeah you know, whether it's an outsert a half out a true insert um that's a really important bit and that we go into that in big depth in the best arrow for elk hunting folks want to go break that down but just of all the things you spend money on the shafts and the inserts are really important because uh, it doesn't matter how amazing and perfectly kind of centric your shaft is. If you don't glue those inserts in right um, or you glue in a weak one, it's going to snap on your elk and that just makes it worthless. So, mm -hmm. uh, so don't skimp there is my general advice. Um, footer, you put a footer over something. If you have an internal insert, it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's just the aside folks can go listen there. Maybe we just work back. So we got the front two. And we just go back from there. So fletchings, like you were saying. Uh, real um, quick, I, I did pull up the uh, best broadhead for elk hunting blog post, which actually yeah, I just yeah. Googled best broadhead for elk. And you're like the fourth one on nice. that Google search. Some people. <laughs> but uh, so you said best bro broadhead for like, if you're willing to spend anything, the day six Evo or the iron will S series of what you mm -hmm. have down here. I the think best. those are two of the, yeah, the two best right now. I mean, there's a lot of, German Kinetics, uh, what was the one the Exo guys did? I don't remember. It was really good. There's like 10 others that are great, but those two are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So those two. And then the best value broadhead is the one that I use, the Slick Trick Viper Trick Pro Series. Stainless yep. steel. I shoot the 125 green. And it's yeah. funny you put best budget broadhead NA. <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing as a budget broadhead. <laughs> Just get that out of your head. Holy Ooh. moly. I can never, it drives me bonkers when people try to save money there. Mike, you mean the one the one piece that actually does the entire thing you're going to do when you spend three thousand dollars <laughs> to go elk hunting? You don't want to spend money on that. Okay, sounds yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's the cheap. There's really not any cheaper ones than that anyway. Like the cheapest set of broadheads is almost forty, always forty dollars for three. So right, yeah. trying to cool. save an extra ten dollars is to get a China made broadhead is <laughs> good. It's not the thing to skimp on. No. Uh, <laughs> Fletchings. Yeah. Fletchings. Um, this one, I've tested a ton of them. I put my life at risk testing a bunch of these. I stood behind a bale while I made my wife shoot past it so I could listen to them. <laughs> the only way you can really hear what an arrow, the noise an arrow makes is standing to the side of it or in front of it, but I'm not going to do in front of it. Well, and I kind of uh, did just behind something. But uh, try at, don't try this at home, folks. This is Don't try this at home. This is definitely not reckon, recommended. Um, Talk to your doctor. There's another guy that sent some from Hawaii that sent some really cool tests on YouTube where he tries to listen to him. And the, the long story short, there's not much of a difference. Cool. There's really not much of a difference um, in the noise, unfortunately. I thought there was. So most of it's just marketing. There are some that are really bad, but almost everything else is about the same. Uh, almost everybody goes to Blazers or like the AAE Max Stealth, which is what mm -hmm. I'm shooting. Um, because they're kind of like the standards and they work great. Like, oh, no yeah, I think deal. I shoot the Blazers. Yeah. The uh, only downside of the Blazers is they're a little taller. So if you don't have a huge amount of room for your rest clearance, um, they're, they're a vein that actually will hit your, your rest if they're ver perfectly vertical sometimes. Mm. And as we've talked about before, I, I get really anal and knock tune my arrows, which we can talk about in the broadhead tuning series. Um, so I like to be able to rotate my arrows 360 degrees wherever I want to put them. Right. And then I put like a little sticker on the top so I know how to align it. Uh, um, 
that's the other thing I'd say about fletchings. Everybody's used to getting like two, a cock vein, which is like a different color and then like two other colored veins. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't recommend that because how do you, you don't know that that's the right side up for the spine when you're tuning, which will just trust me. Now you'd have to listen to the other episode to understand exactly why, but always put three of the same color, just three random colored ones and don't use the veins to understand which way the arrow should be. And once you find the right side up when you're tuning, you can just put a sticker on it or, you know, use a Sharpie on the vein or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Works totally fine. Yeah. We'll get to those uh, advanced tips in yeah. a bit, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you get the boning blazer veins, B-O-H-N-I-N-N-I-N-G. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And then it's probably worth like when we're talking that we should probably talk about the fletching jigs as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Arizona uh, easy fletch, right? The Arizona easy fletch. So there's a few different fletching jigs in the market. Like the oldest um, is the, uh, the boning. Oh, what is the name of that? No, Bitsenberger. Why am I saying boning? Oh, it's the, the veins, the Bitsenberger. Uh, and that's, that's a really cool jig and it's great and all, but it's by far the most customizable. You can do three fletch or four fletch. You can move the fletch you know, up and down the shaft from the knock. That's going to really scare beginners. Don't worry about it. Um, just, yeah, you can do all this crazy stuff, but you have to put the veins on one by one. Mm -hmm. And that's really a pain in the butt. It takes forever, right? Versus the Arizona Easy Fletch, you can just put all three veins in there at once. You put glue on each of them and boom, slap them on. All, all three go on at the same time. It also has the benefit of making it really easy to put another one on if you tear one off because you can just align the other two in it and then it shows you where the third should go. Yeah, so just um, uh, Arizona Easy Fletch Mini. Just trust us on it. Just Google that. It's pretty yep. cheap. And a jig is basically what you use to put fletchings on an arrow. And yep. get some super glue. Totally. But the thing about the those options is that you pretty much have to go boning blazers for the Arizona easy fletch because mm -hmm. they do have a longer one uh, but you, if you do the longer one it doesn't align the others perfectly yada 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 so if you're like i just literally want to pound out arrows as fast as i can and make life easy get the Arizona easy fletch and blazers if you're like i want to tweak and i want to try four fletch versus three fletch we already had a whole episode on why that's bogus and you like really want to tune and tweak get the uh the bits and burger jig and then I'd like them AAE max stealth. So yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up now is it kind of dictates your vein choice. Right. So there's that. Now, what else? The, we talked broadheads, we talked fletchings. Oh, the knocks. Do these mm -hmm. matter? I know people talk about knock sizes and stuff like that, but yeah, this actually really, really does matter. Um, but the great news about this is almost all the, air, the arrow diameters are standard. And the only arrow diameter that is not standard is the uh, the micro. There's like 165, 0.165 inch and 0.166 mm -hmm. inches, uh, unfortunately. But it's pretty easy to sand down the 0.166s or just like the 0.165s usually fit well. Uh, but that's so what I'm trying to say is it's pretty easy to swap knocks around from different companies and other companies' arrows. They all work. There's nothing inherently right or wrong about them fitting in a different shaft. Um, but what is important is that knocks fit on your string. Right. So every string has a different serving, which is the little tiny string that's wound around your bow string, mm -hmm. you know, that black portion usually on your bow. Um, and that is different thicknesses. So what you really don't want is a, um, a knock that's stuck on your string because that'll create knock pinch. So when you draw back, it'll 
the tip will lift off the rest. Um, and when you shoot, it'll have a really hard time coming off the string. It might jerk it as it comes off. You know, the other end of that spectrum is it fits too loose and it's just rattling around on there. When you pull back, it can fall off while you're drawing, which is scary as hell. Yeah. Um, so basically, just it's pretty easy to tell if you got a good fit, put the knock on your string. And if you can easily kind of turn it around the string with your finger, and it's not like sliding down the string or rattling around, that's a good fit. Um, and you just buy knocks from another company. Go to a bow shop if the ones that came with your arrows don't fit um, in your D-loop or fit around your string really well. Just keep swapping out knocks till you get that good fit. Cool. So ma most important, make sure it fits the string. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine didn't really have any problems, I, I think. Yeah. Well, I think I, we built, we tuned the bow to, you know, I was tying in knocks and a D-loop to your... Mm. Uh, arrows and I think it fit your string diameter pretty well. Most yeah. of them do. I mean, 80%, 60%, 80% of the time they just work because there's generally industry standards for diameters for factory strings and that sort of thing. But yeah, you get into weird places with custom strings and arrows and that sort of stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we got the shaft, we got the knock, fletchings, broadheads. Oh, next thing to buy is an arrow spinner. Yes, that's a mandatory for the process. Uh, and we'll like talk about why that's important here later on, but maybe we just go through the process. Now we've got all the pieces. Maybe we just go through the process of actually yeah. building it. So let's see, first cut the arrows, <laughs> go to nice, right? Go to your Nailed shop, it. get them cut. <laughs> got to cut them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was, we talked about finding the right length and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. you don't need a, like a, like you said, you just go to the, the shop and be like, Hey, can you cut these to this? And they'll usually do it. Yep. Or most of the ones you order online can cut it for you too. So you don't really need a, a arrow saw per se. Yeah. Yeah. So you can order them cut or uncut and then get them cut at the shop. But first step, yeah. cut the arrows. Yep. <laughs> second, Measure twice, cut once, do your goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second step. Hmm. Would it be for mine? I have that, that insert. So I need to glue in the insert. Square on your arrow. Oh, square it after you get it cut. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like filing it down to make sure. Yeah. So this is one that uh, the bow shops don't do, or they might do. They'll do kind of quickly, mm -hmm. but this makes a huge difference. So the end of your arrow, when they cut it, there's always going to be. It's never going to be perfectly square, right? Right angles mm -hmm. um, to the the rest of the shaft. There might be a little lump on it or a bump, and when you stick an insert in there, it can kind of misalign it. Yeah. Or even if it doesn't misalign it under force, it'll bend a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so taking, there's arrow squaring devices, which I have one. Easton's come with this like little tiny, a lot of them come with this little tiny sandstone. Um, if you're looking for really good precision, that is a great step. Uh, just you put like silver Sharpie on the end of the arrow, and then you just put that little thing on there and spin the arrow, and you're just basically shaving the end of the arrow. And if there's any silver Sharpie left, you keep going. And when it's gone, you know that it's perfectly flat. So that's really going to help with the precision of your arrow. I do that on the back of the arrows too. Don't ever trust the company that sent you the arrow to cut them clean. You know, they're just mass producing them down in Mexico or uh, usually South Korea, one of the two. So uh, I square both ends. Yeah, that's smart. I, when I got it, my last set cut and I put the knock in, like I just saw like it wasn't straight and I was like, oh, this is why yeah. you square them. Oops. But uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. how most bow shop arrows come. They just lop them off and stick them in. Yeah. So yeah. buy the arrows, get them cut. Now, next step, glue the insert in with the arrow spinner. Totally. Yes. That's okay. It. So you've got to buy this special glue though, right? Yes. It depends on, uh, so I'm, 
you, there's there's different types of glues. You can try to put glue in and make it so you can remove the insert later. Generally, any of those glues I've not had good luck with because they'll eventually pull out. Same with super glue. I'm really not a big super glue fan, um, especially micro and small diameter arrows because they just don't have the surface area on the insert to really hold. Mm-hmm. Right? You can you can have a weak glue with a large surface area or you can have a strong glue with a small one so don't put a weak glue on a small surface area which is super glue on a small diameter arrow right um so i'm always in epoxy a 24-hour epoxy if you get epoxy do not get the, the fast cure stuff because it has it'll get really brittle mm-hmm. and an impact will shatter it and it'll pull out just as easy as um, or if you use too much hardener in an epoxy uh, there's goat tough glue there's gorilla glue there's epoxy there's a bunch of these permanent really really durable bond ones and that's definitely the way to go cool um so you get some epoxy glue yeah i think easton's come with epoxy i think yours came with epoxy uh no i don't no, I, I, I can't buy the glue separately yeah um but a sixes do yeah it's pretty simple I, I took the insert put the glue on it and just shoved it in there but next step i need to do is now that i have an aero spinner is mm-hmm. glue the insert put it in and then i guess start spinning it and then twisting the insert rotate yeah. it until it starts to spin with no movement exactly and you're so what you're assuming is that you're using epoxy because epoxy yeah. takes an hour or two to, to harden so you can kind of do it all in the same you know you can right. stick it in there and then make sure it's um, spinning perfectly yeah. but if you're going to use goat tough or something else that hardens really quick um, you do the same process you just do it mark it then glue it so basically with spinning oh. what you want to do is put the insert in and you can do this with or without glue like we just talked about depending on how fast your glue hardens. And you just spin that arrow on the uh, on the spinner and you can see the wobble in the tip. And you turn, right. just turn it an eighth of a turn at a time and that wobble will eventually go away. Right. I mean, this, I've seen it like once ever in like 10 or 12 dozen arrows this past year that it didn't do that, but I guess it can't happen. But almost always you just keep turning it until you find it and you'll notice it, it'll perfectly spin. You can also put a, a, a field point in there or a broadhead to really help you determine if it's wobbling because it adds a lot of length to the tip. You know, Just make sure it's one you trust is perfectly straight. Yeah, and um, for people, maybe an illustration of this is like if you get like a pen with a cap on it, think about just twisting that cap. That's yep. what we're doing. Just twisting it and, and then putting it back on the spinner, spinning it, making sure it doesn't wobble. Yep, um, that's a really good illustration. And like you said, if you're using, if you're not, if you haven't glued it before you do that, you then can mark it with a, silver sharpie uh and then pull it out glue it stick it back on and align those perfectly and you're good to go yes but this is another reason i like epoxy is that you get rid of that too which you never know if that might be exactly the same right so right you said you glue it you spin it you keep turning it till it's perfect then you're like great then you just set it aside let it sit yeah and i would make sure too especially with epoxies make sure you set it with the insert pointing up um, or not lying on the table sideways because what that's going to do is it's going to put pressure. Oh. If it's down, it's going to slowly slide off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or if it's sideways, it's going to put pressure on one side as it's hardening, right? Because epoxy oh. is going to take a few hours, so it's got a lot of time for gravity to work on it. Oh, interesting. Um, but if you have a foam target, what you can do is just take the knock end of the arrow, just yeah. stick that butt first into the foam target, mm-hmm. and one of the holes your arrows has made, and just point it straight towards the sky. That's right, perfect. Right. Let it just to, dry. Yeah um cool so we got the insert in and then yep. hey we're getting close you just put the knock in twist in the broadhead and we're good right <laughs> yeah yeah something like that if your bow's perfectly tuned you don't need fletchings oh 
the fletchings. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you let the <laughs> let the epoxy dry, and then you get that Arizona Easy Fletch. Get some yep. super glue. Um, and the Arizona Easy Fletch is a little hard to describe over a podcast. I would just Google it, like or YouTube. Yeah. You just place the fletchings in there, put the arrow in the middle, like close it together, put glue on the fletching. Yeah. So hard to describe. Putting a fletching on a putting a fletching on an arrow is not rocket science. You know, we can't if you need us to describe it on a podcast, <laughs> you just read the instructions that come with the fletching jig. It's really stinking easy. Um, I will say that I use wraps on all my uh, all my arrows for a few reasons. One, uh, they just make it a lot easier to see the arrow itself. Um, two, what's it's a like a better for people who don't know. What's yeah, a that's a good point. It's just a really thin, like basically a sticker, like a vinyl sticker mm-hmm. that you put that wraps around the shaft of the arrow, mm-hmm. right where the fletchings are. So right, it yeah. covers the arrow. It sticks to the arrow really, really well. And it, it's their design so that they're a very sticky surface that's good for the, the fletchings to stick to. So they help with that adherence. Um, they make it really easy. This is the most important to me is when you're, say you knock off a vein or two or they're all shredded and you need to take them off. If you don't have one of those, you have to scrape your veins off. And I really don't like scraping the carbon on an arrow mm-hmm. off because you're just making these divots in the structural integrity of the thing. So with with uh, uh, the wraps, it's really easy just to take the wrap off. And you came up with a really cool hack for doing this last year, right? Yeah, so it's the first time I was trying to take the wrap off. It, like it was, it was kind of hard because it just sticks so well. But if you get a hair dryer and you heat the whole wrap, now the whole thing just peels off, and it's it's super easy. Just slides right off. Yeah, you can put it over a stove way high above the stove. Yeah, <laughs> careful. You have to be really, really <laughs> careful not to overheat the arrow itself. That's super dangerous. You know what yeah. I mean? There's the right amount. Yeah. Don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. for informational purposes only. Yeah. And uh, yeah, heat that up, peels yeah. right off. Okay. Good to go. So, but yeah, for installing the wrap, like uh, I think Dudley's got a video on this. It's really good. Use a mouse pad. Uh, you basically p- take the wrap off the paper. You put it upside down with a sticky side up on a mouse mm-hmm. pad. Mm-hmm. You hold the arrow and you just slide the arrow across the mouse pad till it hits that... Uh, that wrap and that'll make the wrap line up perfectly with the arrow, right? Yeah, you basically like roll it across the wrap. Yeah, and, then uh, once you've got it lined up perfect, you just roll it and that squishiness in the mouse pad gives you that nice push on the wrap to make it stick. It's, it's funny because perfect, perfect the only wraps. reason I have a mouse pad is for that and now I just use the mouse pad every day. It's nice. Crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you know, the it. mouse pad works so well. I was shocked at how well it worked Yeah, for this. Yeah. It's pretty much mandatory for putting wraps on arrows and it's like literally $2 so or a dollar at the dollar <laughs> store. So, And I got like a really cool psychedelic space one. So <laughs> here's me up every time I bring it out. <laughs> nice. You're like, all right, it's time to build arrows. Yeah. Oh, or cool. a pizza mouse pad. There's some real fun ones. <laughs> you know, enjoy your life. Go so big. You got, you got that. Uh, okay, now you put the knocks and you screw in the broadhead and you're good to go. Yeah, well, the fletching. Let's let's hit. Let's finish off the fletching first. So you did, you know, pretty easy to put it on. Use super glue. Mm-hmm. You're good. You can buy the expensive archery ones, um, or you can just buy like a standard Loctite gel. I do like the gel ones because they they stick and they don't like drip or slide around. But like a Loctite mm-hmm. gel on Amazon or at the store is a lot cheaper and easier to use. Um, just stick that on there. But then I also tip and tail them. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. You do. Yeah, because 
basically if the vein's going to tear off it almost always is just because it comes from the back of the front it's not mm-hmm. you know like it takes a ton of force to pull it straight up yeah so if you put another you know there's a different type of glue you can use i use fletch uh what's it fletch type platinum which everyone's like well why don't you just fletch it with that it's because it takes forever to dry and it's super sloppy and it's trust me it's a pain in the butt to try to fletch them with that so all yeah. i do is you just put a nice little dot of it over the front so just make sure all the little surfaces all the edges it covers the entirety of the edge mm-hmm. on the front and the back just a dot and a dot it also looks like a dot and then it dries out to like a fifth the volume like what uh, looks like a pea will turn into a lentil if that makes sense yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you just put a little dot on the front and back of each vein um, and i do that because i'll shoot them a few thousand times at least every year and the number one reason you lose arrows is the fletchings come off so or right. not lose arrows you can you know you have to repair an arrow to, yeah 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 so right. that's so a bulletproof way to to make them good it doesn't really matter for elk hunting if they all come off as you're going through the elk who even cares really <laughs> it'll be harder to find the elk but or the arrow but yeah it's just more for durability um now you put the knock on and twist on the broadhead and you're good to go yeah so we're not um we're not getting super anal about this. They're like, <laughs> like how far up the shaft you put the, the fletchings fletchings and all that sort of stuff. I've experimented with a lot of that stuff. Just use the standards. It's not worth the, the effort. And then yeah. we talked a bunch about three and four fletch, how, how that's completely a BS, right? <laughs> Cause like all you're doing is just adding drag to the arrow. So you could have three giant ones or four small ones and they do the same thing. The only thing right. you get is clearance with four fletch, but you get a crazy amount of complexity and effort to have to do that and wait on the back of the arrow and yada, 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 yada. The, if you don't know what fletches to go with and you really do care, just fletch up two or three arrows with four different types of fletchings, whether it's different blade types or fletching numbers, then just shoot them out of your bow the exact way it's going to hunt. Mm-hmm with broadheads that'll tell you what's going to happen right which one's the best so that's that's my three versus four fletch we spent a whole hour talking about it though so if you <laughs> want to go look at that go do it um, yeah then you stick the knocks in and you're pretty much good to go nice um, wow i realized like i knew like the basics and then you had just like that extra level the tip well, of the tail and square. I was planning on talking about the real extra level stuff now. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Wait, there's more? There's building? more. Oh, so if think. you're, there's like yeah. target arrow levels of precision. And like we talked about, I love to shoot or used to love to shoot at 100 when I had a really good 100 yard range. Um, and out past about 60, you're not going to notice big differences in the weight of each different arrow. But at 100, I've actually noticed one or two grains can make about an inch of difference. 100 yards it's such an extreme distance for a bow um so if you the that's a grain right one or two grains of arrow weight mm-hmm. so if you really care about weights like the batch of arrows i made two years ago that i've been using this entire time the reason i put make so anal on them is i literally used those for two years they're perfect but they were all within one grain of each other finished weight when i was done which is a hell of a lot of effort there's some really easy ways to get close to that without going that anal. When I'm doing that, I'm weighing every single fletching, I'm weighing every single component, and I'm assembling them in an Excel sheet to make sure they're all gonna weigh right. But one quick thing you can do if you're trying to get arrows that are all pretty good, is just weigh, you put a one through 12 sticker on your shafts. I think buying those little tiny stickers is a great thing, especially if you're using the method I talked about of using all the same 
three or four color fletches and then just putting the sticker on you know, the top side so you know which way to align it when you're you know putting it on your bow mm-hmm. uh, just put a number on each arrow shaft weigh those out go lightest to heaviest you know just put them on a table go lightest to heaviest then with all your other components do the same thing just lightest to heaviest so if you've got your inserts lightest to heaviest and then flip them right oh. so take the lightest arrow with the heaviest insert work down the line right you're good to go and then you can weigh them all again after you've glued them if you want lightest to heaviest do your knocks lightest to heaviest glue them all out right or after you fletched them whatever it is so that just just doing that one little step where you kind of weigh and then do that that'll get rid of a massive amount of weight variance versus just randomly throwing things on dang but that's only if you really are shooting out past 60 yards it's where you start to see differences there Wow, that is next level. And no wonder, remember when you sent me your spreadsheet of the first set that you built for me, yep. the lightest one and the heaviest one was like barely any different. Barely, yeah. I mean, I, every single component that goes on those. I mean, I think I did like the light version of that, which is what I just talked about, just rearranging. Yeah. Um, with mine, I've literally weighed every single piece. I even weigh every single vein that's in the pack and I put them in different categories. No way, you so weigh then, every single fletching? Mm-hmm, because then I'm... <laughs> Then I've put everything, you know, when I've put on everything, I've put on, I've stuck in the knock. I've, you have to put in the knock to fletch them on the Arizona Easy Fletch. You know, stuck in the knock, I've put on the wrap. The veins are the only thing left that make the difference, right? Wow. So if I know what weight I want, I just grab a 6.2 grain and a 7.8 grain and, a, you know, stick them all on and we're good to go. Dang, that uh-huh. is next level. But uh... That's the only way to get them to like, you know, within a grain which right. is what I wanted. You know, if you want to get them within like two or three or five, just doing what I was talking about will almost always do it. Yeah. And I'm sure some people stuff. are listening like, oh my gosh, one green, like what, well, why do you even care? But because it, it makes is, an inch or two at a hundred yards. Why so care? Yeah. <laughs> and also it's uh, the thing about controlling what you can control, like all this totally. stuff you can control and you got time before season, if you get it all dialed. So there's all the yep. stuff you can control and then going into it with that much confidence in your gear. Yeah. It's priceless. Priceless. Well, I mean, when I shoot, when I shoot an arrow out of my bow and it goes somewhere right or somewhere wrong, I'm a hundred percent confident it was the dude behind the trigger, <laughs> not the arrow, <laughs> right, right? which I love because that, then I'm like, oh, what am I doing wrong? Right. It's uh versus it drives me absolutely bonkers when I'm out with someone and they're shooting poor. They're like, Oh, it's probably these arrows or probably that thing. I'm like, well, you're never going to know. Are you? Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> it's, uh, but again, it's, that's not like, I'm not saying everyone has to do that. If you're going to shoot within, you know, 50 yards that you're furthest on an elk, like that's you're wasting your time. Right. Um, so just about how much you want effort you want to put into it. But I think that's the cool thing about arrow building. If you put in like the bare minimum effort, all you do is just lop them off, square them, stick random components on there and then fletch a helical or, a um, an offset into the vein, which we didn't even talk about. I'm just realizing you've got your arrows are going to be infinitely better than a shot bot arrow. Like you don't have to do all the weighing and all the other random stuff. They're just going to be massively different. Yeah. Quick note on the helical, um, the Arizona easy fletch does that automatically, right? It does. Yeah. And there's a big debate between Ooh, so helical and offset. So offset is basically just, if you're holding your hands straight up, like your elbow, you know, towards the sky, perfectly straight. And you just kind of like tilt it to 45 degrees with your wrist straight that's an offset. It's just a straight vein, but it goes slightly to the side. Right. So that'll, that'll make spin a helical is like a curve, like a S right. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's actually huge debates within the archery community to switch better, which always made me laugh super hard. 
because uh, they both, in my experience, do the same thing, and there's a slight difference in noise sometimes with some veins, but yeah. that's about it. Okay. Uh, but long story short, Arizona Easy Fletch comes with a three-degree offset, which is very aggressive, um, which is really great. I've noticed the best benefits on that. Um, so you just you don't have to do anything. It's there. With the boning jigs, you do have to use an offset or a helical clamp. Uh, and it's not as aggressive, even if you do that as a, uh, as a Arizona easy fletch. So definitely, 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 definitely. That's like one of the biggest benefits. Uh, it's really the aligning, aligning the inserts, the, the, um, and then the helical or the offset on the veins are the two biggest insert or benefits of building your own arrow. So make sure you do those two things right spin and consistency man we need to sell those arizona easy fletches on our website or something but that <laughs> get sponsored sweet. man <laughs> except we don't want to do that uh, but yeah now they're easy i mean there's the thing about those is now every other archery company has been inspired by their design mm -hmm. <laughs> so they've got very similar looking things now nice. um, there's a boning tower there's a easton one that looks similar i mean there's so Anything that looks similar to one is going to do pretty well too. Hate to say it for Arizona Easy Fletch since they invented it and got copycatted, but hey, <laughs> all good. Um, I think that's it. Arrow building step by step. Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, we talk the next episode. We're just going to do like a. Uh, we did a whole bow tuning episode, and folks can go listen to that because that's going to give you the real detailed way of getting your bow tuned uh, and the equipment you need and all those sorts of things. But I think we're going to do like a broadhead tuning one, which is assuming you've already got your bow roughly tuned and you've got your arrows set up now. So what's the last thing you go do before you go elk hunt? Um, because that's really where the rubber hits the road. Like that's the, the step. And it's so funny because I know people that do crazy tuning on their bow, they build great arrows and they get them good enough. Like, yeah, it's great. And they go shoot them like, uh, it's good. It's like, no, 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 man. Like the most important part is the broadhead tuning like the week or two before season. So right. we'll talk that through for folks. Yeah. And we will be doing some of it together in August. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I will say with the arrows, maybe we, cause I don't think this is going to be part of broadhead tuning. This is probably part of, I just call it arrow tuning in general is, um, dang it. We have to give the whole explanation here every arrow is made like a rolling up a carpet, right? There's a metal mandrel. You roll the carbon fiber around it. That's a lie. Easton is the only one that has a different process that I know of, but just ignore that. 90 something percent of arrows, you roll carbon around a mandrel like you roll up a carpet. But what that means is that there's one side that always has a little more carbon. So your spine or how strong it is to bend is going to be slightly different as you turn the arrow or you spin the arrow around, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So like if you, you know, and this is why we're talking about not using a cock vein. That's uh, we'll close everything off here. Um, so as you spin that arrow around, your spine changes, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you get a bunch of new arrows, what you really need to do is go out and shoot all 12 of those arrows at the, the furthest distance you can group consistently. Might be 40 yards, might be 60 yards, might be 100 yards, whatever it is where you're like, no, I know I'm good. I can keep everything within six inches or something like that or eight inches, right? And so you shoot all 12 of those arrows. And this is why it's also really important to have them numbered. Shoot all 12 of those arrows and you'll notice, hey, wow, 10 of these things went into the center, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's that just means that group of arrows happen to have very similar spine, 
right? Because they're all rotated to magically to the same similar spine, right? It's just like the, the law of numbers, it's just an average. But you'll notice maybe one, two, sometimes three, even four of those arrows won't go into that group. So what you do is you pull those arrows, you go shoot that whole 12 group again, you notice, wow, these same three arrows aren't going into that group, right? Mm -hmm. What the heck? So at that point, once you're 100% sure that it's these same arrows consistently that are not grouping well, which usually will take, it's not two. I mean, if you're really good, it's two, but usually it's going to take you a few times of shooting all 12. The other reason I say shoot at the furthest distance you can group is you do not want to ruin your new arrows by crushing the rear end. But you know. So now you've figured out these two or three arrows that don't group with the rest uh, and you knock tune those. So what, you, what knock tuning is, is you simply take the knock and you hold it steady and you spin the arrow or you spin the arrow within the, the knock within the arrow. That makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. So you're rotating the fletchings around the knock. Uh, you do that like like you would with the insert. You do that, you know, a fourth of a turn or a eighth of a turn, just a small amount. Go shoot it. Uh, and you don't have to shoot the other nine arrows at this point if your bow's on and you know they're all hitting this certain point. Go shoot that arrow. And if it now goes into where all the other arrows go, good. They're tuned. If it doesn't, turn it again, shoot it again, turn it again, shoot it again. Keep doing that until they all shoot into the same grouping. Now you know that the spine on all your arrows is roughly the same and every arrow you shoot will be tuned to your bow. Otherwise, it's just random luck again. Gotcha. So that one actually is, that sounds very anal, but that one's really important because you could tune your bow with one or two arrows and then go grab another one with a broadhead on it and it's going to fly off to the right or something. Right. So you knock tune, is, is that called knock tuning? Yep. Okay, so you knock tune first, then later you put the broadheads on, then yeah. you tune again. Yeah, when we're, we're broadhead tuning, I'm assuming your arrows are good to go. Right. That right. there's no wobble. There's no weird spine because you didn't knock tune. There's no, I mean, you can live with these things. Again, if you're under 40, 50 yards, that one's not going to make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. But 60, 70, 80 yards, it can make a big difference. Yeah. Um, so I'm just assuming when we're going to, we go out and tune, I'm like, hey, the bow's good and the arrows are good. Right. Well, not the bow's good, but, you know, everything's fine and all we're doing is making the last minute adjustments so got it okay yeah it is good that you touched on that that's the last thing you do before what we're going to cover in the next episode which is broadhead head tuning yeah so if you're like here and you're overwhelmed you're like this guy's anal it's like all you got to do man all you got to do is just make sure your inserts spin well and make sure you have a heel chlorine offset on your veins and then just knock tune those three things those will take you Oh, 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes total, all of them. And they will make a humongous difference. Massive, massive difference in the quality of your arrows and your accuracy. And you'll be in the, what, top 1% of arrows out there that people are shooting during hunting season, probably. Absolutely, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you'll be blown away. I mean, I've, you shot some stock arrows. And I remember when you shot the ones I made for you first, you're like, holy crap, like mm -hmm. my group shrunk by about half. If I yeah. yeah, immediately. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So you'll yeah. go from being a, you know, a pie plate archer at a, at 60 yards to a softball with just the arrows. I mean, it's a huge difference. Uh, and that could be a, that could be a good shot or a bad shot. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that could. I mean, you never know. I mean, it could, there's plenty of times you shoot an elk and two inches to the right would have been out of the kill zone. So you know, mm -hmm. you just don't know. I don't like playing Russian roulette. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. <laughs> like you said, control the things you can control because it's, yep. there's a hell of a lot you can't. Yes, sir. Yeah. So yeah, you're going to build some perfect arrows now, Josh? 
Yes, I will. I I think I've got the steps now. I think I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is you're going to be here in like, what, a week or two, and you can just use my aerosol and all the, the toys. So Yeah, and you can quiz me on it as we go. <laughs> I'll just sit there and yell at you and drink beer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Except I don't really drink beer. Maybe whiskey. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Oh, I can't wait. But uh, yeah. cool. That'll be, that's the conclusion of today. Part of our last minute aero building and uh, broadhead tuning and getting set up right before season. We're yep. all antsy. Can't wait for, for September 1st roll around, but uh, we're getting real sinking close. <laughs> uh, and Josh won't say it sometimes, so I will, but thanks guys for listening. The, the things that really help us. Number one is just telling other people about the podcast. Um, we don't make money on this. We lose money. We've been talking about that, but at some point we've got to make it at least net neutral because <laughs> My wife and uh, Josh's free time are suffering, so <laughs> uh, that would be really helpful. Uh, the other would be just rating or uh, leaving a comment about how much you like stuff. That'd be awesome. So yeah, would really really appreciate it. Um, yeah. And shout out to Aunt, uh, Anthony, who uh, reached out on Instagram, said some very kind things. I'll actually get a yeah. chance to meet him. So Anthony, if, if you guys made it this far <laughs> in this episode, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Yeah. And I don't, I should go down my like month of unanswered emails and say thank you to all these folks. We got Taylor, Richard, Brian, Carlos, Ryan, Sam. I mean, there's been so many guys, Eric, that have reached out. Uh, thanks. Means the world. Sorry, I didn't respond quick. I will get to responding fast. Got that whole day job thing, you know? <laughs> cool. Well, with that, we will uh, catch you on the next one.